Welcome to the Nebraska Hawks. These guys are brave. They're Hawkeyes living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their point. But they're still Hawkeyes. They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is canceled! Corn Huskers? More like Corn Suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go Hawks! All right, welcome back to your Hawkeye Oasis located in a Nebraska desert where the Nebraska Hawks nest. Make sure to take a second, give us a like and subscribe so you can get all of our Hawkeye legend, Hawkeye player coaching interviews, and especially an awesome interview we got coming up today. Cedar Rapids Gazette beat writer for the Iowa Hawkeye football program, Leah Van. How is it going? It's going well. How are y'all doing today? (laughs) We're good. Doing and well. We got to bounce back to the y'all because that's going to be something that's going to trigger people immediately in Iowa. They're going to be like, y'all, where are you from? They're going to say that right <laughs> away. So you have a really interesting backstory. Um, you went to undergrad at, in Texas and then grad school at Northwestern. And then I think I read you were actually a Michigan fan too. So um, there's a lot of like college football influences. Call me out, dang. There's a lot going on here. So like I got to I gotta hear about your background, your story, how you got to where you are today, and a little bit about your journey there. Yeah, I mean, it, I've lived a pretty full life for a 26-year-old, I won't lie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so the Michigan fandom really comes from uh, my dad. My dad passed away when I was really young. I was four years old. He had leukemia, which is the same cancer that I ended up having at age 15. Um, just a really weird thing. But because, you know, he actually got his PhD at Michigan in economics. And okay. so... He loved Michigan. And so he would sing me the fight song as my lullaby. And my mom kept that tradition up. And so when I was growing up, like I identified with the Michigan football program as I started to, you know, like get into college football. And of course, I also watched Texas because it was the best school in Texas and they were the best football team at the time. You got Vince Young, Colt McCoy, like that era. So I watched both. And of course, like those were the two teams that I would talk about the most at lunchtime with all the boys and like, you know, argue until I'm blue in the face. And so, yeah, and it was really conflicting when Texas and Michigan played each other and like the Rose Bowl at that point, too, which was really interesting. So, um, yeah, that's where my Michigan fandom comes from. I did apply. I got in for undergrad. And because I had gone through a whole cancer thing, um, we decided that. Like it was better for me to stay close to home for undergrad. And um, so that's why I ended up going to Texas. Um, And I think in hindsight, it was the right decision. And I really loved Michigan. I loved the campus. I loved 
volleyball camp I went to, but, um, yeah, I mean, I ended up not, you know, I went to Texas for undergrad and then I went to Northwestern for graduate school. And so I have avoided Michigan. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I don't even know how to start my story, but you know, I went into undergrad as a biology major because I thought I was going to go to medical school because when you survive something like cancer, you just kind of feel like it's your obligation. And it was funny because I kept a blog throughout my cancer treatment about football and it was supposed to be about my health. Like it was caringbridge.org. And it was like, okay, well, here are my blood counts every day, but also here's how bad the Dallas Cowboys are. And <laughs> like, I just would go on and on about football all day. And this was the year that like Jason Garrett took over as head coach for Wade Phillips. Like it was a bad year. I watched every single game. It was like three and 13 Cowboys. And um, so, you know, I kind of had this passion and um, I also went to a high school where football was king. Right. And like, just like everything you think of Texas being, we had the national Gatorade player of the year, in Jonathan Gray, who's who was the running back at the time. And he would visit me in the hospital quite a bit, like more than you would expect a star player to do. Like everybody's got to go to the hospital once, give the little football and then like leave. Right. Um, no, he kept coming back. He would bring different players every time. Sports Illustrated heard about it and they wrote about it. And when they, um, you know, they called, they interviewed me and the guy who wrote the story is now, um, deputy editor of The Ringer, uh, Ben Glicksman. And he wrote about it, and I didn't realize that my story was so important to him. I was like, why is he asking me all these questions? And I read the story about Jonathan Gray, but also my relationship with him. And because he had said in a post game interview, I was his inspiration on the field or something. And um, I thought, you know, I want to write stories like that someday, you know? And I told my mom, and she was like, Leah, like, <laughs> you know, you're not going to go play college volleyball anymore. Like, you know, you had this big thing happen to you and it's just not a reliable source of income. (laughs) And so, which is fair. Um, So I went into college and I was, you know, full send on this medical school thing. I made it through all the prerequisites, y'all. I made it through organic chemistry. I mean, I I barely passed, but I made it through organic chemistry. So, Um, and I went to go sign up for the MCAT and I was like, I just can't do this. Like I tried every pre-med club. I hated everyone. I didn't want to go hang out at the hospital and volunteer. And I did, you know, I volunteered in a mobile clinic. I, I did all the stuff you're supposed to do, but I had way more fun working for the student newspaper and covering track and field, covering volleyball, covering softball. So I was like, you know what? Forget it. I quit. I quit trying on the pre-med thing. I just finished out the biology degree And I took one journalism class and really this professor, Kevin Robbins, became my mentor. And he was like, "Okay, you're not going to get an internship because you're a senior. So why don't you apply to small town newspaper jobs and go do the thing and see if you like this sports reporting thing for real? So that's what I did. And I, you know, my first job was in Mason City, Iowa at the Globe Gazette. And I was a high school sports reporter because that's how most sports reporters are supposed to start. Right. So I did it and I, you know, I didn't love Iowa at first because you go from Austin, Texas to Mason City, Iowa. All right. Give me a break. Yeah. Um, But I did absolutely love the work that I was doing. And, 
you know, from there, I got a job in Colorado, sports editor and photographer at Steamboat Pilot and Today. But and everybody's like, oh, dream job. Yeah, like love Colorado, right? But I don't want to report on alpine skiers for the rest of my life. Like I wanted to cover college football. So that's why I went to grad school at Northwestern, which has the best journalism program, best sports journalism program in the country. No question, no bias there. Um, but, you know, that's ultimately what led me to this job that I am now. Sure. So, you know, number one, starting out in Mason City, um, Barry Alvarez, he uh, he started out up there as well. So there's a nice precedent set for you there, Leah, you know, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think he did all right. But secondly, um, you know, Texas right now has been in the news. What is uh, your thoughts on two things? Number one, the Big 12 saying they're going to now penalize the upside down hook them horns. Whereas I don't necessarily know that any other colleges in that conference are getting the same treatment. And then secondly, what is your thoughts on Texas jumping to the SEC with Oklahoma? I mean, there's a couple of big news stories going on there. So the horns down thing, I think we all like all of us Texas fans think it's hilarious, right? Because we're not like offended, you know, like we don't care. And um, I think I don't even know how it originated. I, I think it's just kind of goofy. You know, it's just like it's it's funny and it, it works to our advantage. Right. But I don't think we're like this deserves to be a penalty. I think we're kind of like, chill, it's a penalty. Cool. But like it's kind of stupid. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as moving to the SEC, I mean, I get it. Right. Like from you think about it from like I think about everything from a sports reporter standpoint now. It's like your perspective totally changes when you get into this industry. Um, it just makes sense. You know, I mean, you restore all the old rivalries with Arkansas, A&M, you know, we don't lose the rivalry in Oklahoma. And from a money standpoint, like the branding of the SEC is so much stronger than the Big 12. And people, teams have been leaving the Big 12 for years. The The product on the field is not as good. And, um, you know, you're not getting the primetime slots on these television networks. And, you know. I think it was the Big 12 that was, you know, going to go renew its contract with a major television network at like ESPN. And they were like, mm, we're going to wait. We're going to wait for a second. You no, know? And, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it just it makes sense. It makes it. And, you know, when you're tech, it's all about business. Right. You can't take this stuff personally. And Texas knows that, like, they're not doing as well in recruiting as they used to. Why? Because AM moved to the SEC. And yeah, we bash the move, right? Like we all trash talk it. I'll be the first to admit that we were wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, bite your tongue, join the SEC. Let's bring this, let's bring the vibe back. Like let's bring back the Thanksgiving game and everything. So I'm all for it. I'm all for it. As far as like the rest of Big 12, I don't really care. Wherever they go, figure it out. It's not my problem. Leah, is there anything we can do on your end? We got a pretty bad echo. Like whenever Jerry and I are talking, it's like echoing really bad. Oh. I don't know. We probably should have like tested that out before. But is hey. it my? Is it just because I'm in this room? Maybe I can move. I don't I can know. Move to my bedroom. We'll see if we. That's I don't Weird thing to say on a podcast. Um, <laughs> you do a mobile interview here. We're just gonna we're gonna get a tour of Leah's apartment. Everyone, get oh sit back gosh. and relax. This is this is like breaking stuff that like Hawkeye my fans room, are like. My room's an absolute mess too. So That's I really hope that this is like okay. an episode of Hawkeye Football oh. Cribs. 
if right if you got any headphones or MTV cribs right MTV do, you have, do you have any do you have any headphones that would probably make a huge difference oh you know what I left my I left my headphones um on a vacation somewhere it was really bad wow. <laughs> and um, my beats I used to have beats headphones and um is this better I'm not hearing it right now. Yeah, I'm not either. No, it's, okay. it's kind of. I, I wanted to make a point too. With like, you know, you're talking about the whole Big Twelve thing. You know, I obviously I'm I'm a college football freak. So the Big Twelve had an opportunity five or six years ago where they wanted to add some teams to increase the revenue, and the the presidents voted it down. And they didn't want to add any teams and Texas and Oklahoma were looking to want to do that. And it's like, okay, well, maybe you should have rethought that whole vote and and brought in a few more teams to maybe beef up the conference. Because when you look at like the Big Ten network revenue, the ACC network, the SEC network, the Big 12 is not making money. It's the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are way down at the bottom. So the funny thing is, you know, the Big 12 fell asleep at the wheel. And everybody knows it, even, you know, people that like hate Texas are like, yeah, I get it. Like it can makes complete sense. I'm surprised it didn't happen six or seven years ago when they talked about leaving and, and going somewhere else. So um, that and there was talks too. I apparently their first phone call was to the Big Ten and uh, Oklahoma didn't meet the academic requirements they weren't an aau member that the big 10 requires and texas was like well we're a package deal like we're going together and uh, the big 10 wanted texas badly but they didn't you know oklahoma didn't meet the academic requirements so that's when they moved to the sec and the sec i think we all kind of know you know not only is football king academics are kind of not as important maybe it's, uh, Texas is one of the better schools, like Texas and Vanderbilt, yeah. I guess you could say, and the SEC. And, um, it's a very difficult school to get into. People yeah. don't realize yeah. my cat just won't shut up because I closed her. <laughs> out of, I'm going to just, just, I'm going to. That's I'm fine. Gonna, <laughs> That's the theme of the okay. show. If we don't have a guest whose pet gets involved somewhere or another, Jerry, like every single person, usually it's a dog, but sometimes it's a cat. Every single time, it's almost kind of odd. So, I mean, in the world that we live in now, everyone's working from home too. So it's just like, yeah. it's kind of part of the uh, show. You all, yeah. and I just got home today from being a music festival. So she's like missing me. Um, wow. What music festival were you at? Hinterland. Yeah, it's in uh, St. Charles, Iowa. Stop. Okay. Anyway, um, God, what was I talking about? Uh, so the, the Big 12. The Big 12. Okay, we're, yeah, I was talking about Texas as an academic school. People don't realize, like, it's incredibly hard to get into Texas. Like, I, when I got in, it was automatic admission for the, if you were in top 7% of your class. Mm. And then after that, it was up to the rest of your application, right? Um, My brother actually was right outside the top 7%, like, by one person and didn't get in Mm. on the first try. So he had to go to UT San Antonio for a year, make a 4.0 there and transfer in. And so it's Texas is an incredibly hard school to get into. It's like that we call it the Michigan of the South. (laughs) Um, So it's, um, you know, in top research institution, like the science program is incredible and, you know, wrecked my GPA like nobody's business. So yeah, I mean, it would make sense why the Big Ten would like Texas in the conference, but okay. nonetheless. 
All right. So let's uh, we like to get uh, to know our uh, guests a little bit better. So let's go to this question. You just mentioned the music festival and you're from Austin. You know, I mean, Austin's got an incredible nightlife scene. Like who are the bands that you're going to see or, or what are the venues you're going to in Austin when you're living down there? So I'm from Fort Worth originally, but I did go to Texas, which is in Austin. Right. And I would go to Austin City Limits Music Festival every year when I was in college. Um, I saw Eminem, I saw Drake, and I'm not even a huge rap person, but like they were there and like Casey Musgraves, Chris Stapleton, um, Cage the Elephant, Young the Giant, Chance the Rapper. It's like a mix. Like there's a ton of people that would go to these festivals every year and you get the local bands would kind of play in the morning. And those are fun too, because then you just discover new music. Um, and so I'm a big country fan, obviously, and uh, I'm a big, I like some indie, some alternative um, kind of stuff. I mean, it's kind of a mix. And Hinterland this weekend was fun because it had like Tyler Childers and Mount Joy and um, gosh, I'm blanking out. I saw Leon Bridges, which is a Fort Worth native, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, and then but as far as Austin, um, it's funny. Like, I really only saw live music at um, ACL Music Festival Frat Houses, which, by the way, hosts a lot of top rappers and sometimes Texas country music, like, musicians. Um, they had a couple of events where there would be some Texas country play at, like, Zilker Park, or um, I went to Lone Star Jam Music Festival there. Uh yeah, so I, that's, I mean, I, I'm a terrible Austinite for not suggesting a live music venue, but yeah. <laughs> no, we've given, been giving Jerry a lot of crap for a long time about his love for the Spice Girls, and he uh, he, he doesn't like that too much, you know. I'm going to have to just keep my door open so my cat can choose. <laughs> hey, that's okay. I feel like the Spice Girls work their way into a lot of our interviews somehow. It's a little Well, because you bring them up, I think you're just trying to... Uh, you know, you're just trying to uh, waylay the uh, focus to me when it's actually you're the one thinking about them. You're such an interesting individual. I got to bring that kind of stuff up sometimes. <laughs> Leah, I really want to get your mindset um, from the different fan bases that you've experienced from uh, Texas to Northwestern to Iowa. When it comes to like college football venues, um, the fan bases and just the overall culture, how do you feel like all of those different fan bases are so totally different and maybe a little bit about what maybe would tie them together a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, so Texas, it, I feel like our fan base has, uh, it's, it's gotten different. It's, it's really changed over the years because with the admissions being tougher, you're attracting a more academic first crowd, uh, not so much the like, uh, obnoxious, crowd um of like people who may be like crazy um so you know we actually used to like talk about how our student section was not doing so well when i was in school um they would leave early and granted we weren't very good it was the charlie strong era mm -hmm. um but they it wasn't the come early <laughs> stay late be loud wear orange kind of vibe it was kind of like okay are we gonna win this game or am i gonna leave and go do homework you know, and I always stayed like start to finish, whatever. And if you go to Texas OU weekend, that's a whole different story because you get a date, you go, 
you get like you paint a cooler, you fill it up with all this stuff, like you have to pick out like the outfit and it's the huge like ordeal and it's loud. You're at the Cotton Bowl, which is like the only the only time you ever use that stadium is now for Texas OU because the Cotton Bowl is now at AT&T Stadium. Um, so, you know, that was like the time when the student section was like we were full force. But we also had to tailgate off campus like at the frat houses. We didn't have on campus tailgating until like after I graduated, which I was a part of a marketing organization to try to bring that to campus. Um, and they finally did it. And so now it's a lot better um, because it's such a far walk to get the campus from the tailgates that we were at. But like the tailgating atmosphere, I mean, we'd get up, we'd be there at like 9 a.m., you know, and, you know, or if it was like 11 a.m. game, it would be there at like 8, right? And we'd be listening to country music, drinking, playing drinking games. It was so fun. Like, I loved the game day atmosphere, even if we, you know, weren't as good at the games and stuff. I only went to one Northwestern game because I was a grad student. So I wasn't in Evanston. I was in Chicago. And so you're kind of removed from the whole experience. And we, we bought tickets to like one game and I went with my roommates and it was just like chill, quiet, you know, the food's good. You get really good, like food trucks under the stands, like whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, it's not what you think of like a big 10 crowd being exactly what, what a lot of people told me at Northwestern is like a lot of the away teams would, would fill up the stadium more so than the Northwestern fans because they're like, Oh, this is an opportunity for us to go to Chicago and have a good time. And like also see our favorite team. And so I think that's kind of the, the vibe there. Um, as far as like similarities, I mean, not a lot. I'm going to say what's kind of interesting, which y'all probably don't know this, is Texas, we dress up for games. Mm. We wear it like in Big Ten culture. I know because all of my friends who went to Michigan or Indiana, you know, they're wearing like long stockings. They're wearing they're like or they're bundled up and they're wearing just like decked out in spirit gear and whatever, like that you get from like the college store, you know, and maybe you crop your t-shirt or whatever, or you wear like overalls that are different colors. No, like at Texas, we were all about game day dresses. And I didn't know that coming in. I was like, I have to wear a dress to the games? What? But yeah, we had to like pick out, we had like, I mean, we were dressed to the nines. Like us, us women, we got to wear these like frilly white or orange dresses. Like you're not wearing jean shorts and a jersey to the game, which I did my first game. And then I realized that like, oh no, like these women are dressed like beautifully. Like I got to look good for a football game in 100 degree weather. <laughs> Y'all, like what? <laughs> so right. I mean... I wish like we dressed more like the Big Ten schools because I'd be more comfortable in shorts and a t-shirt than sure. all this like really like I wore a long dress or my cowboy boots. The guys had to wear, especially if you're like budging a fraternity, you had to wear like your Levi's um, and your cowboy boots and then a long button down shirt. So at the end of the game, man, if they were wearing orange, which sometimes they made them wear orange, you'd see these hit stains all down their back. <laughs> like these guys were sweating. They had to stay the entire game. It was <laughs> we looked gross. <laughs> but well, you know, that was to make, 
if it makes you feel better, Adam likes to wear a powder gold seventies tuxedo, you know, with the frilly lace in the middle oh of the games. Yeah. So, you know, that's, mm. you know, that's a little known fact. So keep an eye out for him out there. So if you want to mm. get dressed up and you guys can kind of match up. Some I keep it, I keep it formal, but I like to party. <laughs> the fashion is really the different, the major difference between like the North and the South, as far as it like game day attire. I think the SEC is also the same way. Like the women just dress up. Like they look gore. We look gorgeous. Like it's just like a thing. And yeah. I hate it. I hate well, it so much. <laughs> well, so, you know, Adam and I are originally from Iowa and then living in Nebraska, like we do, we've heard the spin from the fan bases up here as a Texas fan and being so involved as you were down there. What was the viewpoint of a, when Nebraska left the big 12 for the big 10? I mean, we heard a lot up here about how Texas, you know, Texas was trying to run everything and they were wanting a better thing. And then Iowa state, you know, with their futility over the years and such, and now they're coming on strong. How did, how did, you know, how did those, the schools in the South, how do they view, how did they view Nebraska's exit back in 2011 and how do they view the Iowa state? So it was interesting. I went to the last Big 12 championship game where Texas played Nebraska at Cowboys Stadium. And I I don't think we I I wouldn't I I don't think I can speak on that because I don't really know what people thought because I wasn't in college yet. And um, but I, I will say, like, I don't think we cared, to be honest. Like, I know I didn't care. I just remember, like, Nebraska all of a sudden not being in the Big 12 the next year. And I was like, oh, this is odd, you know. From a volleyball standpoint, I'm kind of heartbroken because Texas-Nebraska volleyball is a great rivalry. But, like, they play each other non-conference anyway because they know it's good for the brand. You're like, you're not stupid. It's not like Texas a and just saying, no, we're not going to play non-conference. Like, no, Nebraska's like, well, if we have Texas volleyball, like, it's just, like, it's good for the brand. So we never lost that. You know, um, as far as like football, like, okay, fine. Bye, Nebraska. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I just don't like, we just don't care. And if you notice that, that's like the Texas mentality is like, we really don't care about anybody other than ourselves. And so, like, that's just really what it is. As far as the rise of Iowa State, again, like, we just don't care. Like, it's yeah. just, like, we just don't care. And so, uh, I went to a Texas Iowa State game. Um, when I was working Mason City, because I was like, my team is coming to Iowa, and I'm only an hour away. Let's go. And, um, yeah, I got a lot of flack for this on Facebook. Uh, I thought it was the quietest stadium I've ever been to. Really? It was almost creepy. Huh. I was like, and maybe it's just because I'm used to, like, a bigger stadium. But I was like, and it was just like even – and, like, Texas ended up winning that game a rare occasion. And um, – <laughs> But, like, the fans at Iowa State, I was like, I don't know if it's just because they didn't care about this game or they weren't playing well, but it was just quiet. And, I, I mean, I, I ended up hearing, like, my friend from a couple rows back up. He's like, Leah. And I was like, what are you doing here in Iowa? And, um, yeah, it was odd. And I was down in it. I was, like, two rows up because I got super cheap ticket for, like, on, like, the 50-yard line and – I was like, with all these Iowa State fans, they're really nice. But I was like, this is a golf course. Like, what's going on here? Like, it, I just, it's creepy. It was creepy. Now, I'm sure it's going to be so much different when they play Iowa. Like, it's going to be loud. And people are like, it's post-pandemic. I, and I was like, this is weird. It was weird. 
Well, so many of their fans will say too, like before the season starts, they're like, Iowa State fans are, we don't care if we, you know, go one in 11 as long as we beat Iowa. Like, that's all we care about. So they're going to really want to put it on us this year. Like, they got the best team they probably ever had. So they're Their like, tailgating looked fun, though. It I is. will say. Yeah. Like, I, I did like, I, I walked around their lawn a little bit and I was like, okay, all right. So maybe they just don't care about the game. <laughs> No, it is really good tailgating, and I'll, I'll give them that. They got a lot of tailgating right by the stadium, so it's. I almost when I go there, I almost don't even like to go into the stadium. I like to just sit out and tailgate, and you know, watch. Usually, someone's got a big screen TV out there, so you just watch it on that. That's the only place I'll ever do that. And I did that at Iowa State. But speaking of like road venues, you recently recently wrote an article that I loved. They got me all fired up when I read it, and I actually gave you a call to talk to you about it. Now you ranked the top five places uh, on the road for Hawkeye football games that you're excited them to go to this season. Now you uh, in last place on that whole list. Number five was Nebraska. And you were worried when I called you when I said Nebraska, because you thought I was going to be like all disgruntled and I laughed out loud. I thought it was hilarious. Um, walk us through and tell us what you, uh, what brought Nebraska to the number five spot and you know, what made you feel that way? No, I got to go to Nebraska on Thanksgiving. Really? Like, I I, I kept you keep telling my family, and they're like, oh, well, you come home for Thanksgiving? I'm like, no, I'll be in Nebraska. They're like, what? Why? <laughs> like, my friends are like, why? Do you have family there? Um, and, you know, I've driven through Nebraska so many times to get from, like, the Midwest to Colorado, and I, I hate that part of the drive so much. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever stopped in Lincoln, so I don't really know what Lincoln looks like. Um, but I've seen the exit to get off in Lincoln. I'm like, mm, that's nice. Um, it's just, it, I don't know. And I know that it will be, I didn't, I don't know how like strong the rivalry is relative to something like, you know, an Iowa state. Um, so I was kind of like, you know, I know that Maryland and Northwestern aren't exactly like big, you know, spirited fan bases. Right. But it's the location that really put them higher, right? Because I was like, I'm excited to go to D.C., like, kind of area and explore Maryland. And then I'm super excited to go to Northwestern and see all my friends, like, in Chicago. And, um, you know, those are two things where I was like, okay, that that trumps the, like, people kind of situation, right? The atmosphere of the game. Um, now, Nebraska, there might be, like, a better game atmosphere, right? But I was like, I, I really, there's nothing endearing about me going to Lincoln, Nebraska. Like, I can't say that I'm more excited to go to Lincoln, Nebraska than I am to go to Chicago. I mean, come on, you know? And then with, with Wisconsin was an easy one because I feel like not only is Madison a cool town, but it's also going to be a freaking riot, right? Like, metaphorically speaking, like, it's going to be a like huge, huge like game. And so that was an easy talk. Number one, number two, I kind of, I thought about a lot. Cause I was like, I have been to Ames. I don't love it there, but I do have some friends there. And there's also like, it's going to be a really good game. Like the product on the field is going to be amazing. The fans are going to be amazing. So, uh, okay. Like, never mind the fact that the place isn't so desirable. 
Yeah. I, I can tell you real quick, though, that like when you're going on these trips, that last game, that Thanksgiving game, it is bitterly cold in the morning. So dress like as warm as you possibly can for that Iowa-Nebraska game because it's freezing. And Maryland was terrible. I went to Maryland, and that was the worst road trip for a game. I actually flew there, but the worst road game I've ever been to. Like the fans barely even knew there was a college football game on Saturday. And they kept pointing at the logo on my hat and saying, like, what is that school again? I've never, I've never seen that. Is that that's like a bird, isn't it? Like and and they're like, they have no clue anything about football. Everybody was calling us hicks and telling us to sit down. And I I, so I turned around and I'm like, did you eat today? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, think a farmer from Iowa, then jerk. Like they were like yelling at us to sit down. They were just horrible. There was like sirens going off all the time. And it was just like, it was, well, yeah. Nebraska, not- the team is also not very good or has it been very good. That they're going to be good this year. They're supposed to be good this year, they say. I so. mean, that was another thing that I took into consideration, right, is the product on the field. And I was like, man, like, I mean, Lincoln, Nebraska. And then the team itself, which chickened out on, was like not wanting to play Oklahoma at all. Right. Like, yeah. And then there's the fact that it's like going to be cold. It's going to be Thanksgiving. I don't know. It's just like, there wasn't anything endearing about putting Nebraska above any other game on that list, but maybe Maryland isn't going to be great, but I have a ton of cousins in Maryland that are super excited to see me. So bye bye. So, so- if it's a spoiler, I don't want to give it away, but you had a great closing line to the Nebraska argument. I, you know, is that do, we can either direct the crowd, direct our followers to go out and read the article and read it, but or is it okay if I go ahead and, and go ahead. you can right you now? can t- even say it? Okay, the very last line is she as she was giving the Nebraska synopsis, of course, and they're number five, but the very last line, but it is a volleyball school after all, and. That just cuts right to the heart of Husker fans living over here. So they're proud, they're proud of their volleyball, but I mean, they have a hard time admitting that. And their bowling isn't what it used to be. I oh, gave them a bowling. chance. I gave them a chance because I was like, I wonder if there's a volleyball game at home on the schedule that I can go to and experience that weekend. No, they're away. I was like, <laughs> nothing endearing about this trip. You'll you'll like the game day atmosphere there. It's pretty good. Like it gets pretty rowdy and pretty raucous there. And uh, when you, I lived in Lincoln for a few years, it's a pretty fun town. There's a lot to do there. A lot of a lot of fun bars and restaurants. And you know the fan base is like it's such a hard one because half of them are like super cool, realistic, in touch, and the other half still feel like they're it's 1996 like you know i love to be wrong you know i love to be wrong i think i i I think it'll be a good time like it will be i don't mean to you know it'll be good though i'm excited to adam's point between the cold or the drizzle or other factors you won't be dressing up for this game like you did down in texas (laughs) no i will have a parka (laughs) exactly the one thing i thought was super weird when we went to northwestern and that's again no offense to you know, anybody, I won't go back because like when you go as a college football fan, I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to go, you know, have beers and go to some Northwestern wildcat bars, talk to the Northwestern fans. There isn't any, there's no Northwestern bar anywhere. Um, 
and there was there's not much of a college football experience in that town so that's kind of like dc like with going to maryland is you you need if you're going to northwestern come with some other plans to just hang out in chicago go to wrigleyville go do you know something else because you're not going to get that overall college football experience like you are at the other big 10 schools it's ultimately what you what i weighed in this article right and maybe i I weighed a little bit more location than the college football experience. I did take in the college football experience into account, but like, if I'm thinking about like where I'm most excited to travel, that's just like what came to mind right now. If I would have ranked like, which will be the most fun game atmospheres, it would have been a different story. Right. Cause then Nebraska moves up to probably number three. Right. And then you put Maryland last, you put Northwestern in four. So it was a great article. And the thing that, like, if you notice what it's done is it's creating, uh, you know, discussion and debate. And that's what a good article does. So um, it was really well written. I loved, like I told you on the, I love the personality and the edge that you write with. Like, you know, there's an edge <laughs> to it and it, it's entertaining reading. You know, a lot of the sports writers that have been, you know, that are a fan of the school and that have been following them for 20 years. It's like, you got to kind of, dig through it and just stay with it. You know, it's interesting because you're a diehard of the team, but I felt like with your non-biased reporting and your strong opinions, anybody could have got into that article and, and found it interesting. Well, I appreciate that. And it won't be very often that I get to do something fun like that. And as far as like really show my voice and my personality and in like an opinionated thing, but uh yeah i mean it was it was fun i was asking a lot of my friends and kind of the college football world I asked two of my friends who went to maryland i asked a couple friends who went to northwestern for undergrad and uh you know nebraska actually had a couple friends but they're not um i don't keep in touch with them anymore and that's mm-hmm. not a knock on them they're great people i just like i, I just felt like weird messaging them and asking but I think I had one guy help me out with that. So did you get any feedback on the article? Like, did anyone reach out to you and like express their opinion to you on what you wrote? I got a couple emails and they just said like, Oh, I really liked this. It was fun to read, but I yeah. didn't get any, like nobody really came at me. So, yeah. So, you know, as you've been, you just started, I believe was it January of 21 and mm-hmm. you've, you know, you've really been on fire. We've shared quite a few articles. I mean, not just on the road trips, but on anything else, but being, you know, one word that kind of uh, describes Hawkeyes and Hawkeye sports writers is longevity. You coming in as a, you know, as an, kind of new to the whole scene, what have been your impressions of the Hawkeye athletic program so far in your experiences and, you know, I guess, you know, if we were doing a job interview, what is it you think you're going to bring to the table for us Hawkeye fans now with a fresh look, kind of new ideals and things of that matter? Be brutally, <laughs> brutally honest. Well, I, you know, I don't want to offer too much opinion, but I, I think it's it's definitely it's interesting. Right. Like to me, uh, you look at it from a news standpoint, you look at it from a journalistic standpoint, you've got a program, you've got a university that has um, an athletics program under two lawsuits, and that's Title IX discrimination. Now, I'm still learning about both of them, um, but from a reporting standpoint, it's something that's interesting, right? It's something that's like, okay, there's stuff going on, and, um, you know, it makes the beat more interesting, um, and then when it comes to the fan base, the Hawkeye fan base, like obviously very dedicated, very passionate people. And, um, 
I, it's definitely the, the set of expectations from Hawkeye fans is vastly different from say, Texas fans, right? Like for Texas fans, we're disappointed if we have a 10 win season. Hawkeye fans like a 10 win season, right? And, and you know, and that's, that's not a knock. That, that's fine. Like I kind of wish that like, you know, I wasn't sitting here every year, like hoping that Texas would come back to relevance and be back. Right. Like, Maybe why can't why can't we accept like a good enough season like of going to a, a, a major bowl game and you know but like I feel like Hawkeye fans are just here to party and they're like you know what I just want to go to a nice bowl game that gets me out of winter right like take me down to Florida take me to the Outback Bowl like let's go I want to go to the Rose Bowl so it'd be great Hawkeyes if y'all can pull that off I would love to go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, it's that so there's that culture shift with the fan base. Um, you know, there's a lot of like tradition that I um, didn't know about. I'm really excited to see the wave to the children's hospital. I think that'll be really meaningful for me as a campus survivor. And um, I think, you know, I think I'm excited to be in a college town, a big 10 college town, which is, it's a different atmosphere. Like Austin is a big city and like, yeah, we have good fan base. We have a good like atmosphere and, dedicated people but there's a lot of other things to do here it's like on a saturday this is the only thing to do is go to the football game and if you're not there where are you right so you know that's different for me uh you know i think it's an interesting program i've enjoyed i i met kirk ferentz one-on-one i enjoyed talking to him i've enjoyed interacting with a lot of the assistant coaches like kelvin bell was super fun and we talked a lot off the record after that, just about football X's and O's. And I loved having that opportunity to just learn and pick his brain and watch film. Um, and I think, you know, Seth Wallace gave me like a personal shout out of his opening press conference. So like, I've had a lot of fun interacting with them. Some of the players, I really wish they would say more in an interview uh, and maybe that's on me not asking good enough questions. So I'm working on that and I need to break their shell, which is kind of hard to do over zoom. And we've had a couple of in-person moments, but not a lot. Uh, I, I know that everybody has this, like, there's like definitely this classic Iowa vibe where there's the walk on like mentality and like the small town Iowa boy who works his way through the development program. And like, we're not, a three we're not a five-star school with recruiting we're like a three-star turn them into a five-star it's whereas like in texas is like how many five-star recruits we got this year oh we only have one. Oh my god we failed you know it's, it's just different it's different I, I like the development aspect of it um you know i think that's interesting i think that's kind of old school and i've noticed that when i covered high school sports in iowa is like kids were still playing multiple sports and I come from a place where specializing was key to success. Like I had to choose volleyball over every other sport that I played except for track. Right. And I love the fact that this is still one of the few places where they value the multi-sport athlete and that that's still a thing. And so yeah, I mean, those are kind of my impressions as far as what I bring to this beat is a fresh perspective, like you said. Um, you know, I come from an empathetic background. So when it comes to like athletes, I'm I'm not going to criticize the athletes as much as I'm going to 
criticize Coach A, right? Um, and I'm on their side when it comes to name, image, and likeness. And um, I think I also just want to get to know them. I want to get to know their story. And I consider myself a storyteller, right? And so that's my approach to this beat is leading with empathy. One of my favorite writers loves to say that he leads with empathy. I want to hear their story if they let me, if they let me tell their story, right? But I have to build that trust. And um, my cat keeps interrupting me. And, um, but, you know, I think the fresh perspective, the critical eye, I think, you know, I, I think I'll be a little bit more critical um, than anybody else on the B. I mean, I don't know. Kenny just joined the DeWine Register, so he also will have a different perspective, right? Because he's also, he's a Georgia fan, right? Mm -hmm. So he's not going to have, you know, this, mm -hmm. I, we're not from here. You know, and we didn't grow up watching Hawkeye football. This is not our life, right? And if you look at my Twitter, like, I'm not going to tweet about Hawkeye basketball, right? I don't cover the team. I'm, I don't need to watch them. I like the women's team, though. They're really nice. mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, so I'm not going to tweet about Hawkeye stuff all the time. I've got other things to tweet about. So if you're going to interact with my social media, somebody criticized me during basketball season. They were like, well, you don't tweet enough about Hawkeye football and Hawkeye basketball. Like, why aren't you always tweeting about Hawkeye stuff? I'm like, cause it's not my life. Like my yeah. life, like, yeah, my life is this beat, but like also I want to, I, I mean, I have a whole bunch of different interests. Um, and I also think I bring personality to this beat. I've got my own podcast. Um, I'm sassy, you know, <laughs> I'm from Texas. I've got a big personality and, you know, you can point me out in a room and I think, you know, the first couple of conferences I did I always told myself I needed to make my voice heard I needed to ask questions even though I am the new person on the and a couple of the beat writers did message me they're like good for you for asking questions like that's really awesome that you're already jumping in there I'm like it's, it's my job yeah. yeah it's like it's my job like I'm not gonna not I'm not gonna sit here passively and not ask questions just because I'm new like I'm not intimidated by all like, I'm not I think they're all great. Like they're all very, I respect, I respect them all. They're amazing writers, but um, I'm not intimidated. I'm not intimidated by anyone. I'm not intimidated by these little trolls on Twitter who don't even have a photo in their profile. Okay. They don't want to show their face, but they're going to attack me. And then, you know, so I think that's kind of what I bring is like a new look at Hawkeye football that might be a little bit more critical or there's going to be these perspectives of like heartwarming stories that maybe you haven't heard before, or maybe fun stories that you haven't heard before. Right. Stuff that like stuff that's different. So it's that's my, new, it's really my new favorite beat writer. Needed a woman's touch on this beat. Uh, and a, a strong opinionated needed. woman's touch, especially from an outside perspective. That's my favorite part of it is that so many of the beat writers across the country in, in Iowa is no different is they're, they're fans of the program. And I love that we're going to get your outside perspective of your different life experiences through Texas, through Northwestern, through everything you grew up with and with your strong opinion and great writing ability to be able to just say it how it is. And, you know, it's going to take Hawkeye fans 
you know, some of them a little bit of time to adjust to that because they're not used to that. And it's something I think that's healthy for the fan base and, and for all of us and get used to the, the football players not talking because that's the <laughs> way it always is. That's why Jerry and I, we don't ever even usually interview any current players on the program because it's, you know, they're, they're trained on how to speak to the media and they keep it very tight and, you know, they only say certain things. And so we, we like to talk to them after they leave and and have them on then because then you get the true story of their experience and and how how much they enjoyed which 99.9% of them loved playing football at Iowa and had an amazing experience but you're not going to get those stories and and that emotion and that excitement while they're still there you're you know you're interviewing someone that's essentially you know they're 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 focused on doing what they're trained to do right and i i get that and i also think that media is scary to people and i hope that through showing my personality on Twitter, like these people see that, like, I'm just here to tell their story, to share their story and to, to tell the honest truth. Like I want to make sure that I'm as accurate as possible. And, you know, I am trained differently. And the thing about Northwestern um, and, you know, the thing about journalism is journalism is changing and a lot of older journalists adhere to some old fashioned rules or they don't. And then there's us who are kind of changing the rules, right? And it could be the percentage sign and AP style, or it could be um, the way we approach reporting on more diverse groups, right? And so I took, you know, I took a class in graduate school called the media and the marginalized. And it was about how are we able to accurately depict the stories of marginalized groups, Um fairly and accurately right and so we look at a lot of these stories about like mental health today like simone biles and black women and mental health and those are the kind and like we talked about the colin kaepernick thing and how it the story became about him kneeling and it wasn't a what it should have been about was he was protesting police brutality but we all lost sight of that. Why? Because the main focus was like, is he disrespecting the flag or not? But the objective of his message was we have a problem with police brutality in this country. That is my story. Right. Yeah. That is his story. And, you know, that is what he was trying to depict. And so those are the kinds of situations in which I am trained in a different way to cover than maybe somebody else who didn't take that class, right? And um, there's also like, okay, what can you do on the record, off the record? You know, there's a lot of different ways we're going about journalism now than what we previously did. And so I think that is something else that I bring to this beat. And I, you know, I did jump in when I came here, I did a Black History Month series and, um, you know, exploring the history of that. And then I'm trying to provide more coverage to some of the women's sports at Iowa through the newsletters and through some of the interesting stories, because I think they, they deserve it. And I've noticed this with other beat writers when they see me tweeting about soccer, they start tweeting about <laughs> soccer, which I'm all for. I think it's great. I'm like, okay, if, if anything comes out of this and I'm like kind of leading the pack of people starting to cover more women's sports at Iowa then I think that I'm doing my job right, you know, and mm -hmm. um, now football is my main focus, but, um, you know, I think those are some of the things that really are my objectives to really, you know, 
provide a new perspective and also be as accurate as possible. The women's sports at Iowa are amazing. Like it's, it's crazy not to cover them. They're so they're a lot, they're very successful and we have some amazing, very like outgoing, uh, like very fun coaches to talk to and interact with uh, on that side of things. So I think that's fantastic. What were you going to say, Jerry? Well, no. And, um, you know, from that outside perspective, and you talk about race, you know, what was your viewpoint then of Iowa's recent announcement about the Duke Slater field at Kinnick stadium? I mean, as, as a non, as a, as a nonpartisan, basically. I think they had to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you absolutely had to do that. And um, like, if you would not have done that, it would have been bad. Um, but, and I think it's awesome that, you know, they're recognizing this history and this is a history that like, you know, people have told me they didn't know much about. And I think anytime we're shedding light on stories that you didn't previously know, I mean, <clears throat> the goal of journalism, the goal of like a lot of this is to enlighten right? And to share with you stories that you don't know about your program or history about your program. And like, I spoke to Neil Rosendahl, who kind of led the charge on getting Duke Slater into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And then, you know, now the field is named after Duke Slater. And now everybody at Iowa probably knows this man's story. And he's pretty incredible. And yeah. so I thought, it was the right thing to do. But they also had to do it, right? And I was reading through the history of like, they tried to name it Kinnick Slater Stadium many years ago. So it's almost like I didn't know that. Yeah, it was in the 70s. They tried and they it didn't pass because uh, there were, I guess, some board members who didn't want it. And, um, you know, I think that we're in this time where these things, you know, it was a good thing. But they also had to. Yeah. And the only reason the discussion came up was because of what happened last summer and so i wish that we lived in a world where these things were just coming up on their own and not it's kind of like you know people not admitting they are wrong until they get caught right and so i think that you know that's that's the objective with this whole thing is like this should have been done a long time ago well, you know, growing up as a kid, I had heard of Duke Slater from the Chicago Cardinals angle from the pro career and being a, but I, you know, the Iowa background really wasn't as prominent and it was kind of something that maybe you hear a little bit here and there. So I think it's great that it's promoting that. Quinn Early's got the new documentary coming out about Frank Kenny. Yes, Bedrick. I talked to him and, about it on my podcast. I mean, yeah, and it's going to be so exciting. And it's like, I as a fan, I'm enjoying this. I think it's great to learn about these aspects of history and these trailblazers. And, you know, so, I mean, you really hope it's a good byproduct. You know, you hated to see and hear what maybe some people went through, but I think this is a positive where we're learning all these stories now and, and helping to understand more what kind of trailblazers we did. Well, and to Leah's point, too, um, you know, and this is just my opinion that we the university has acted very reactively to a lot of these situations, not proactively. And, you know, when it comes to 
you know, handling different things like this, like Duke Slater Field should have been done 25, 30, 40 mm-hmm. years ago. You know, things like that. It's just like I, I, I wish as a, as a university and as a state, we were a little bit more forward thinking and a little bit more, you know, proactive, proactive. Pro, proactive about getting some of these things done. But, and, you know, and the thing is, is like this is probably going on everywhere. Like there's probably other programs that need this awakening. And, you know, I was just kind of first in line. Um, And I I just think it's, it's good that they're doing this and it's good. They're making changes. I think making change is awesome. And, um, you know, I'm glad, I, I think it's endearing to see that as far as my reporting, it's endearing to hear these athletes say that things are changing. If things are not changing, I certainly want to know about it. And I think a lot, I think the university would also want to know about it. I think a lot of people want to know like, Hey, what else can we do to make this a more inclusive place? Mm -hmm. Texas made the headlines last year about the eyes of Texas. Our fight song is rooted in some very like racist history. And I I told my friends, like, they're like, Oh, but it's the eyes of Texas. I'm like, I don't care. You know, yeah. like if I want my friends to feel welcome on campus and if they don't feel welcome on campus as people of color, then let's get rid of the fight song and let's change it. Why not? Well, I just found out recently too, um, Ole Miss, the University of Mississippi, apparently that's what slaves called their owners back in the day, the madam of the house. I'm like, I did not know that. Like that, that's pretty bad. But again, like. I don't even know how many Ole Miss fans know that, you know, that was apparently where that derived from, but um, all right. We're, we're, we've been talking to you for way too long. You are so fun to interact with. And, you know, you got such an interesting backstory. Um, We're going to end on something a little less on on the serious note. Now you've been noted saying in the past that you and vodka don't get along. So we want to know you're rolling into a tailgate. Okay. And you're not working that day, okay? If there's no work to be done, just fun. And you're going to be having a game day drink. A, what's the game day drink going to be? What are you going to be drinking all day? And two, tell us about one of these bad experiences with vodka and what did it do to you? All right. So whiskey Coke, okay. classic game, game day drink. I'll drink a whiskey on the rocks. I love my bourbon, whiskey, all of that. Man. Um, Yes, and um, I've been to Bourbon Trail, big fan. Uh, and like, especially if I want to get like, if I want to get silly, like fast. I mean, I, I went to a Texas Tech game once. Uh, Texas Tech versus Texas. I had a couple like whiskey cokes, and man, I'm surprised I didn't get kicked out of that student section because I was the only Texas fan, and my best friend was like at Texas Tech. She was like, I'm so embarrassed, and I was like, Yeah, Texas. Uh, okay, vodka. Yeah. Um, First off, it's it tastes bad. I just hate it. I don't even like Tito's. All right. Really? Um, so I went to a formal in college. I was in a story for a bit. Um, then I quit. And um, I took way too many vodka shots before a formal because I was going shot for shot with like my guy friend Danny, who's like, God, he was six four. And uh, I was waiting on my date to get there. My date was running late because he classic had a day party. And so he was trying to like come back to life to come to my formal. Right. And I like, I had only invited this guy because I was trying to make another guy jealous. And he was really hot. You know, the whole spiel. 
It's a whole web. You just gotta look at my Instagram pictures, you know, as like we all said in college, it was super petty and super shallow and that way ever again. But he um so anyway, he was running late. So I was going shop shop with my friend Danny. Um I think he was the one I was trying to make jealous, actually. So fun fact, he knows. Um and he showed so my date shows up and we get in the back of limo. We're driving to the like pre-formal dinner and so i was like okay i'm feeling well it's a pre-formal dinner and uh we're eating mexican food and i i mean it was just chips and salsa at that point i was like i don't feel good and i went to the bathroom i start throwing up and so then my sorority sister she's like you know what leah let's just let's leave and so i went back to the sorority house and um Puked on the front lawn, which, by the way, if you're in a sorority, you puke on the front lawn, and everybody sees you, you get fined. Oh. Yeah. So I got sent to what's called standards board. And you got to understand, I am the good girl in my sorority. I was like, I never got in trouble. Like, this was the only time I got in trouble was vodka. And, you know, so... I, I puked. I puked my guts out all night. It was just awful. So you know, once you have that experience, you just can't do it again. You know. Um, but my date, interestingly enough, went to my formal without me, <laughs> and then he ended up hitting on my friend Michelle the entire time. Michelle comes up to me the next day and she's like, "Hey, I hope it's okay that uh, I got your formal date's number, and he's been texting me and." I don't just want to make sure like things are like are y'all like what's going on? I was like, take him. Like, I don't care. Just take him off my hands. I don't want him texting me at 2 a.m. so he can be your problem now. And so anyway, that's my vodka story. That's a good story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not sure we can follow up on that too much more, Adam. That's uh well, the bars. I, I had that I had a very similar experience with Jaeger. And so every mm. time I, I smell Jaegermeister, I'm like, oh, no go uh, i've never so, been i've never been man enough to drink whiskey like that's like the man's man drink no offense obviously girls drink it too but like if you're like the man's man sitting back having a glass of whiskey on the rocks and like i'm like okay that looks so cool i wish i liked oh whiskey. man i can drink scotch too like i love oh. the like burning like campfire taste of scotch like so does jerry him, it's I, so funny and everybody's like oh like you're you're female sports writer you know how's your life like how are you different I'm like, well I, I am a female sports writer but i also kind of have the heart and soul of like a 60 year old man or a frat boy because i can drink scotch i have flags of my favorite football teams hanging up around my apartment and i care more about football than makeup so it's like i don't know it's kind of the same so that's amazing <laughs> Oh God! So, Leah, I've really enjoyed this. As a Hawkeye fan, I'm really excited. You, it, you know, you said early on in the interview, you're 26, and you know, appearance-wise, I can believe this, but I mean, experience-wise and the way you carry yourself, I mean, I'm really excited. Your enthusiasm, the maturity you're bringing, the objectivity. I mean, I'm really excited to see what you're going to bring and help. You know, in, in the in the fresh perspectives you're going to bring to this. So, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well it's said, Jerry. Of, well, sure thing. It, it just really is. For having me. <laughs> yeah, but nope. Looking forward to the new, the fresh perspective, Leah. So we're we're excited to follow you. Yeah, we're big fans. We're gonna be following you. We'd love to have you back on if you're free around football season. And we kind of talked to you about potentially collaborating on something on the Corn Belt yeah. Championship for the Iowa Nebraska game coming up this year. So we'll, we look forward to yeah. it. But 
Go ahead, Jerry. Well, then come basketball season, we'll have you on and ask you why you don't have more basketball takes. Yeah. You know, then, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll offer my women's basketball takes. Hey, we'll take any takes you got. It's been a great time. All right. we Leah Ban from the Cedar Rapids Gazette Hawkeye football beat writer. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to Jerry and I and coming on Nebraska Hawks Nest. We always end it with the Go Hawks. I'm not sure if we're going to get that from you, are we? No, hook them horns. Oh, I love it. I love it. She's staying true. All right, Jerry, go Hawks. I, I would uh, put the hook them horns down, but I'm afraid I'll get penalized. So Listen, anyway, the, we'll, we'll the golden rule, the golden rule of sports reporting is there's no cheering in the press box. There you go. Touche. Wise words. Thanks, Leah. Have a good Thanks, one. Thanks, Leah. Thank you.